the Motorsport Files. Motorsport biographies by the people who live them. Hello and welcome to the all new podcast, The Motorsport Files. Over the course of the show, I'll aim to bring you some very special guests to tell you their motorsport story and how they got to where they are. On the show this week, at just 24 years old, this young Irishman has already clocked up victories both at home and on the British and world stages. He's already the 2019 Irish National Class winner and the 2022 JBRC champion and can currently be seen competing in the JWRC and WRC3 championships with improving pace. So then, welcome to the show, Eamon Kelly. Eamon, thank you very much for joining us today. How are you, mate? Yeah, very good. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It's good to be here. No, absolutely. It's nice to have you on, mate. We're going to take you all the way back to the beginning. So where did it actually all start for you? I can't really think of the exact point. I was just brought up around motorsport through my dad's involvement. He's been a competitor for probably nearly 30 years now. So, yeah, I was born into it. I guess you could pick out certain points in your childhood where it only reaffirms why you love it so much, um, such as, you know, sitting on with my dad and tests and getting that sensation of speed. You really feel the, the buzz of it all and it only makes you want to be involved uh, more throughout your life. So, so, so kind of growing up when I was a kid, he would have been racing in Evos in Ireland in Group N when that was fairly competitive. It's funny, like I used to go and sit on in all the reckies with him and his co-drivers, just sit in the back when I was a kid, just because I was so, so interested, which sounds bizarre because I hate reckying now. <laughs> it's the most boring thing ever. But yeah, always, always had such an interest. Like it was always motorsport. I played other sports as well. Like I played football, Gaelic football, other bits and pieces, athletics, but it was always rallying. Um, Whenever I came home from school, it was kind of like throw the bag aside and you're either on to, I'd always had like some form of maybe simulator or or games um, involved with motorsport or it was going out on the, the quad for a couple of hours or stuff like that and just, you know, just mad about it. And like I said, always, always wanted to be around it. So yeah, that was, uh, that was my upbringing. So you started sitting in with your dad, but what were your personal first experiences of motorsport? Again, there's so many. It's hard to it's hard to pinpoint. Um, I remember he had a diesel golf rally car, um, a diesel? which is one of only two. Yeah, one of only two diesel rally cars in Ireland at the time, and it's still in Ireland, still in Donegal, um, and probably still one of only one or two diesel yeah, rally cars probably. in Ireland. He used to just take this car out every now and again at the weekends and I'd sit along with him, just being in it. And I was very young, like I was probably only five, six years old, but being along with him and again, that sensation of speed and just hearing the stones battering off the side of the car and going into the forestry and, and getting a good hard run was was just class. And it's that feeling that you're like, especially as a kid, it's still class now, but as a kid, you're just like, this is, this is unbelievable. You know, you feel like a... You feel like a superhero. So, yeah, the um, stuff like that. And then obviously going to spectate. I remember back in my childhood was the height of the kind of WRC carrier in Ireland. So you were getting that, that sensation of speed and the noise of all the top spec WRC cars. And we all know what that's like when you hear an S12B or a Focus or whatever going by. There's a serious, uh, serious sensation. And I remember going to my first Donegal rally when I was... I was probably seven years old, so it was 2006, and Colin McRae was there in the Metro, 6R4. He was, I think he was running like third car on the road. That was class. Like, we we came to this spot. We'd actually missed the first two cars, but he was next on the scene. 
And he just came around this corner broad sideways, dropped his back two wheels into a ditch, nearly off the road, gathered it and just kept going. And all with the the amazing noise of a 6R4 too. So it's just stuff like that that you're like, my God, this is mental. I, I remember too going to watch the, um, when the, it wasn't the ERC at the time, it was IRC, I think, uh, when it came to Ireland. Dad would have been doing the Group N section, but going with my uncle to watch that and seeing the S2000s battling it out, which would have been, I think, Lappy and um, who else it would have been in the in the top scoters. But seeing them battling all weekend was just absolutely class. And the noise of the S2000s and being driven like, properly hard as well on Irish tarmac, that was just stuff like that is class. And here, look, there's countless moments. I could go on forever, but um, I feel like a lot of people could probably relate it's stuff that you see from the ditches that makes you fall in love with the sport. So, yeah, it's a combination of my own um experiences of being involved and then just from watching it as a fan um that make you uh that make you mad about it yeah for sure i mean for me it was watching steve bannister and ethel the mark to escort come down the woodyard in dolby moments like that they stay with you forever and i'm sure many people listening have got their own too uh just let me take you back a little bit though uh you mentioned earlier that you had a, a quad when you were a kid yeah i remember getting out got the quad when i was like Again, six or seven for Christmas, and this was like all the Christmases came at once. You know, it was mad. So only it was a wee seventy cc quad, so not enough or not not that much far, but plenty for me. And yeah, again, that was just like being able to have something that would allow you to somewhat replicate what you saw on the stages, or at least you thought you were doing that at that age. It was class, and I was lucky to obviously grow up in Donegal, and we had plenty of uh, plenty of countryside around us, and a couple of fields around the house. So you were able to kind of create your own bit of a track, and uh, yeah, like I said, coming in from school in the evenings, throwing the bag aside, grabbing dinner really quick, kind of half-heartedly doing your homework just to get out as quickly as possible, and yeah, spending a couple of hours on it uh, till she was run dry from uh, with petrol, but. Again, you were kind of the innocence of being a kid. You were on your quad and pretending you were one of those top drivers that you were watching on the stages. And again, that's the stuff. That's the sort of stuff that, that kids do. But were you always allowed to go out on it whenever you like? Then, or did you have to? You know, did you ever have to sneak out and go on them or something? I can't remember. I just did it anyway. <laughs> it was a mix. It was. Um, I really I can't remember. I remember the neighbours didn't like it anyway. That was for sure. <laughs> Plenty, yeah. whatever about my own parents, but um, the neighbours certainly didn't uh, didn't appreciate it too much. But uh, anyway, I don't really. It was. It was <laughs> I a good, it was, feel different about that now. You know. Yeah, it was a good childhood <laughs> for me. So that yeah, was quite cool growing up because a lot of my mates were also into motorsport and and just speed in general, um, if not motorsport. But like I remember my neighbour. They had like forestry next to our house and they built this network of tracks, like they were proper tracks for, for quads and stuff through the forestry. And as a kid, that was class. You were going out and racing around that and also getting the stopwatch out with your mates. And it's class to have that growing up. And I'd again, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's class. That would be class now. Yeah, exactly. Never mind being whatever age. But um, yeah, it was always like you were always, that's how you're spending your evenings, spending your weekends most of the time. And Cool. It was, uh, yeah, it not only does it give you a good sense of car control, but it just it just creates such a buzz. And I probably didn't realise it growing up, but obviously very lucky to have all that. And it was, uh, yeah, really good fun. I imagine it probably was. 
So moving forwards, 2017 was kind of your first year in rallying in the uh, the Civic. What were your aims and plans for that year? I can't say I had too many aims or plans. It was, I guess, like anyone getting into rallying, it's just all 100% learning. And I was 18, nearly going 19 when I started. So I was actually a wee bit late to the party as well, because you'd obviously plenty of guys who'd started when they were 16, 17. And okay, I'd done a bit of like all track rallying, which was the junior series in Northern Ireland that allowed kids to race from the age of 11 or 12. But I never really committed to any full championships in that. I only did selected events here and there. So yeah, it was it was a case of just trying to learn and, and see how we got on, but and, and just enjoy it. So yeah, going out in the Civic, it was, and of course Civic, it's quite a common car in Ireland for, for young guys to start off in. It would be the, the standard junior car as such. Um, they're nice and they're cheap to run and, and good uh, a good learning car. They don't, <laughs> they've not a lot of power and they don't hand, they can be a bit sketchy at times in terms of handling. So give your hands full and it's a good learning experience. Like at the end of 2017, we did two events. Uh, Claire and the Donegal Harvest stages and then the following year I think I did maybe five or six in the national championship in the 11F class which was a, a modified class again the car we had it was by no means modified it was just very slightly upgraded to uh, to allow us to compete in a bigger class so nothing fancy. How did it compare to your competitors cars then were you like massively underpowered compared to everyone else or fairly on par? In 2018 yeah we would have fairly like 11f in ireland it's you do have a lot of people in fairly heavily modified cars it's no different to the to the mark twos you know you can kind of go as wild as you want and there was plenty of guys with really really fit cars um but like i said we we'd been in class one the year before and it wasn't it was a rented car as well it wasn't actually our car but i think we put in like I can't remember what was what was added to the car to classify it was classified as 11F could have been a hydraulic handbrake or something really really simple or a dog box I think was the only difference but no power advantage no no real advantage in terms of uh, our suspension or anything like that so yeah it was pure learning but at the end of the day we were trying to drive it as hard as we could and that's all I needed I didn't need anything fancy at the time and it was uh, some really good experiences and we had some good results in it as well. And it was nice to compete against some of the faster cars, knowing that you weren't really expected to be that fast. I remember we won our, won our class, me and Connor, who's obviously my co-driver today. Um, that was just our second event together, but I remember we won our class in Galway Summer Rally 20, 2018. And that felt like, you know, you felt like you're on top of the world. It was great. And it was really, really sketchy as well <laughs> that day. <laughs> I think if you asked him, it was sketchy because he was telling me to slow down all the time. But You know you're going fast enough if your co-driver's telling you to slow down. Uh, yeah, I know. The onboard's pretty funny. But yeah, again, just a really good grinding experience. Um, learn plenty. And yeah, it was the perfect way to start, to be honest. It was just pure fun and driving something as hard as you could with no, no real... Yeah pressure really just get a feel for it you mentioned connor there uh, obviously as your current co-driver but how did you guys actually come about meeting i guess when i started rallying we knew that we wanted to try and i guess not take it seriously but like try and make something of it you know try and progress through the sport to a certain degree and from an early age or from an early an early point we knew that to do that you could probably do with having a, a long-term co-driver or at least a consistent co-driver and when i started i was just using different co-drivers and uh, guys 
with a good bit of experience as well to help me. You know, I was obviously starting off in a low level, so some of them fellas, they didn't really want to commit to, to sitting with someone in a lower class. They were happy enough taking the, the bigger seats. But um, Connor Foley was my dad's co-driver at the time. He's from the same town as Connor Mohan, and he knew Connor had only just gotten into rallying as well, maybe a couple of years before me, and seen the opportunity and says, "Why don't the two of you sit on together and do the rest of the national championship?" And that's what we did, and yeah, it just sort of clicked from there. And it was good because neither of us necessarily had that much experience, but we kind of learned it from each other, and we figured it out together. And it was uh, <laughs> we learned the hard way plenty of times, but. You know, we were learning together, and whenever a mistake was made, it was never made again. And we gonna we figured it out, and that's kind of brought us to where we are today. And I think it's a fairly strong relationship, and and things work quite well inside the car, and we have a good understanding of each other. And that's obviously thanks to plenty of hard work over the years. But yeah, that's how that came about. Yeah, it's it's perhaps inevitable that as you spend that much time together, that kind of partnership develops. And I suppose in the long run, that becomes incredibly important, especially on the tougher or longer events uh, further down the line. But of course, the flip side of that is, surely there must be some interesting, funny stories to be told? <laughs> Plenty, yeah. But yeah, for back to your first point, obviously, yeah, like you said, it's, it's really important and it's hard to find a co-driver as well to commit as well. Um, but it's... It's been good so far because, you know, he's got the, the same passion as I do. And it's just a case of both of us wanting to to consistently achieve and, and get to the next level. And that's just just passion and I suppose determination as well. And it's good to have someone who's on that same page. I'd say it's quite hard to find someone um, who's willing to commit. But yeah, there are plenty of funny stories too. <laughs> There's too many. Like, they're all small, like random funny things like, I remember we, we obviously travel a lot when you're going rallying and you're always sharing hotels and stuff. And I learned from a pretty early stage never to stay in the same room as him when they're sleeping. <laughs> we could always book separate rooms because he talks in his sleep. And one of the first rallies we did together, we were both heading off to sleep. And about half an hour after, he was like, he started clicking his fingers at me. He said, like, get, up, get up and close that window. I was like, what? And he said, like, get up and close that window now. I got out of bed and I went over to the window and I was like, window's not even, window's closed already. And he jumps up and he's like, what? What are you doing? Why are you awake? I said, you told me to close the window. And he goes, what? no, go back to sleep. And I said, what? <laughs> he's talking to the sleep and this was quite a common occurrence. So never, ever share a room with him again. <laughs> sorry, it's, God. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not sorry. It cost me a night's sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, uh, but yeah, plenty of here. It's always good crack whenever we go to the rallies and we're uh, definitely not uh, shy of getting ourselves into uh, into handlings. But yeah, some of the stories are better untold, to be fair. It is always good fun, though. And um, you need that, you know, you need when you're spending a week or two away with someone, you need to be able to have fun. So, yeah, yeah very lucky in that sense. Three left over the crest, tightness row four left. Three left over the crest, there, tightness row four left down, mind it, 250, two right. 250 now, two right. So in 2019, you bought the Fiesta R2T. Was that run by yourselves? My dad had always used uh, VSM. They're based out of Derry. They're an Irish, uh, an Irish team. I think dad started using them maybe in about 2005, six of them, right? And I would have always been 
involved from then on as well. So I've kind of I've nearly known the guys in 15, 20 years now. Like so it's a very close relationship with all of them and they're really good guys and they, they turn out a very, very good car and we've been very lucky to very lucky to work with them and you know there's a good level of trust there and so they, they run the car and it may not have been a family team as such, but certainly not far away. And it was good because we all knew each other really well and they had the uh, the same level of interest as I did in terms of trying to achieve the best results. So we were working on things together and yeah, it was it was always really good. And, and of course, naturally, whenever you start off, like, they obviously had a really good relationship with my dad uh, when he was rallying at a fairly decent level. And it's like anything, you're a young driver, it takes a wee while to build that trust up again, but it wasn't long to be fair. And still obviously use them whenever we're, we're rallying at home or in the BRC. And yeah, they're they're brilliant guys and top mechanics. And you know, they're they're not a full-time race team either. They're they're day-to-day mechanics, that's their job. And then they do rally cars on the side. So busy guys, and it's a credit to them for the uh, for the effort they make and the cars they turn out. So and it was only in recent years, it was only really us and then uh, Johnny Mulholland as well, who was in the BRC that they, they run. So, like I said, really, really good bunch of guys and lucky to have worked with them. That year, you entered into your first championship, the Irish National. But you were also up against some pretty quick guys. Yeah, the national championship in Ireland is always good. It's always competitive in every single class. It's it's a good clubman championship. And, you know, you can you can pick a battle in nearly any class that you enter. And we were in class two. and. There's always, you can always have a race with someone, you know, there's always good guys entered and it's a good way of, again, when you're starting off to get good seat time there, they're good rallies and it's always a three by three format, three stages done three times. So handy enough to recce, but there's still plenty in the stages you tend to find and yeah, good competition. So perfect learning ground. So it was good, good for us. We kind of just selected, I think, three or four rounds that year of that championship and mixed it with the Irish Tarmac Championship as well, which was quite competitive, especially it was beginning to get very competitive in the uh, the two-wheel drive class or front-wheel drive, sorry. Um, the likes of Will Crichton there and even Johnny Mulholland and a few other guys and a couple of points had crossed over with the BRC. So you had all the, the BRC regulars um, and junior BRC. So there was plenty of quick guys in 2019 and good year for us. It was big, big learning, first time into the homologated car left-hand drive and a car that was probably more capable in terms of setup and and all that sort of stuff so yeah huge huge learning that year for me and it was good because having all them other quick guys it was the first time that i had my eyes opened in terms of what was achievable and the effort that you actually need to put in to achieve a good result because not that i didn't put in effort up until that i did but I just realized that there was way, way more effort that you needed to make. And, you know, it only took me one or two rallies before I realized that because I remember going to, I think it was West Cork that year, which is fairly early on. And that's where the junior British Rally Championship crosses over. So that year, I think you had like maybe, I think you could have had 15 or 16 R2 cars racing against each other. All really quick guys. You William, you Josh Meherlane, Rory Bell, James Williams. So they're all top drivers and... I certainly had my eyes opened because um, I got absolutely wiped. And <laughs> it was like, for me, it's good, right, okay, it's time to really, really get to work now and try and make an effort. And it's thanks to challenges like that, that that brought us on. And it was by no means an easy year either. Like, we were always trying to consistently improve. And we were, you know, we'd learn something in one rally, we'd implement it into the next, and then something else would go wrong. Or, you know, you'd learn something else, and then you try to implement that. And 
in actuality something else would go wrong. So where did you go for help in those early days then? Did you manage to get any advice from anyone? Obviously very lucky to have the likes of my dad. He would have been the biggest, the biggest support for me. And again, back then you're learning the fundamentals and he'd been around plenty of bands. So he was fit to critique all the time in the best way possible. And that's what you need. You know, you need someone who you trust and someone who you can take criticism from fairly openly. And um, it only makes you stronger. So like I remember going, I think it was after the Donegal International that year. Uh, we'd only just started writing pace notes, like two rallies before that. And it's kind of one of them things with pace notes. When you start writing them, you nearly need to go a step back to go two steps forward. And I thought I was pretty happy with my driving and notes in Donegal. And I was like, yeah, got my in-car back. And I was like, right, you're going to show this man how it's done. Take a look at the in-car dad. And he was like, yeah, that's, that's crap. That's crap. That's crap. That's all right. Uh, that's crap that's crap <laughs> so I said right okay <laughs> and it was all usually down to how I was writing notes and stuff but again it was no he wasn't being harsh it wasn't like hard feelings uh you just took what he said and took it into the next race and and built it in and it really really massively helped us and again lucky to have that and the next race we did after that um was Sligo uh 2019 part of the national championship and it was the first race that year which was in July uh, so it took us six, six, seven months, but it was the first race that year where everything finally clicked and we were finally on a good pace and ended up finishing 10th overall in the in the little Fiesta and against plenty of bigger sort of modified and R5 WRC cars. So, yeah, that was that was pretty good. And f- finally, for us, it, it showed that we did have that pace that we believed was there but never really had anything to show for and so Sligo that year must have been a massive step forward for you then personally it was yeah because again you always knew in the back of your head you felt like no there's we can definitely be faster and we can definitely be definitely be better but um, the results didn't show that and it was a case of trying to be resilient maybe without even realizing and and just consistently trying and trying and to get that result it just reaffirms then and you get that surge in confidence to say, right, okay, let's go. Like this is this is definitely uh, definitely going in the right direction. So for me, uh, that'll always be uh, such a such an important rally for me. You you kind of touched on it there, actually. I mean, after you go through a fair amount period of time not getting the results, I think that's difficult for anybody to take, whether you're in top level competition or not, but. How did you personally keep yourself going forwards? How did you keep the belief that, no, I can do this, there's, there's something there? I think it's like just never, never being satisfied. And to be able to see when you look at, say, your onboards and stuff, to be able to physically see where you're making mistakes and where the time is and then going, right, okay, I definitively know what I need to work on. Because to be fair, there was never a stage where I was coming out of rallies going, geez, that was just bonkers, that was mental. Maybe in a couple of places, but I definitely always, when I look back at things, go, actually, yeah, there's way more in that. And that was, again, where I was very lucky to have people around me who were fit to say, look, you know, you can do X, Y, and Z much, much better. And we can start working on that now. And yeah, it was just always looking for more and never really being satisfied and you always have to remember it's there's always someone better than you no matter what and uh that goes the whole way up to the top level so so very analytical lots of self-critiquing then yeah i've always been like that it's probably my own my own biggest critic as well still am today so yeah just and that's just the nature of being competitive too and and wanting to 
wanting to get faster and do the best you can and I don't think you'll ever be satisfied till you feel like you've you've done your best so yeah that was that year was all about that and like I said it wasn't easy because we plenty of crap results plenty of with three accidents that year um and you know there one one of them was like two two in a row two rallies in a row and it's so disheartening like when you go off the road and you make a mistake and that's your rally over um but again it's just that you have to to dust off and and try and reset and just consistently believe uh the, the pace is there and remind yourself why you're doing it too because you love it and of course the flip side to that is getting there in the first place i think everybody is well aware that it's not a cheap sport to be in so how did you go about the funding side of things because obviously these days pretty much all the way through i think there's what seven paid seats in rallying at the moment so everybody has to basically find the money how did you go about sponsorship especially as a, a new driver yeah it was um it's not it's not simple and as you said the more you progress through the sport or the more you try to level up the more expensive it gets and it's pretty crazy i've been very very fortunate to obviously have the support from the likes of my family which is you know i'm extremely extremely grateful for i've also been very fortunate to have a couple of people around us in terms of sponsors that have a genuine passion for rallying too you know there was a couple of uh of people who'd been involved with my dad in the in his years that were i suppose the scene when i was starting off that they were interested in my own my own journey and i guess they knew they seen the effort that he put in and they'd probably realized that it was going to be no different for me and that it would probably go somewhere half decent so yeah very lucky to have them people and, and hold good relationships with them you know it started off back in 2019 with leach and hss hire who again were just really keen to to be involved in motorsport they're involved in other sports as well and that was just pure passion and they were involved for for two to three years and again very lucky to have their support and they were genuinely interested and same for northgate they mad about seeing progression and genuinely interested and it was very lucky to have very lucky to have that and must be nice to be able to reward them back now though i suppose yeah big time and you've even got like donny group there terence who who runs donny group in northern ireland has always been involved in motorsport and different drivers and especially rallying because he has his own personal connections with rallying so yeah, there's there's a personal element there and fortunate to have those connections and be around those kind of people. But when you have them too, you have to hold on to them and, and cherish that, that relationship because that's what makes it happen. And it uh, it softens the burden of the, the cost of rallying. So, yeah, it's uh, it's really, really good. And you're always trying to, to hunt for new sponsors and at any level. And again, it's a case of just, I suppose there's no for anyone getting into the sport it's 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 so difficult but because there's no real from having a business's name on the side of the car there's no big you know reward back for them in terms of a monetary benefit like unless it's a company that might necessarily might be directly involved with motorsport or 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 the likes but it's more about i guess trying to give them the gift of motorsport and create an experience for them as a company and you know it's very few people get the thrill of sitting alongside a rally car or being in a, a motorsport environment and to be able for a company to be able to provide you know their staff clients family or friends with the opportunity to maybe sit in a rally car or go to an event um and be involved with the team for a weekend that's that's pretty cool and again if you if you're a business and you've got important clients who you think would like that 
that's uh, it's a pretty a pretty decent investment depending on the scale of it but yeah that's the kind of pretty special and unique way to go about it though i guess it is yeah it is so um if you wanted to impress someone it's certainly a a good way to do it but yeah that's usually how you tend to try and try and um advertise it but uh for sure it's not uh it's not easy but like you said nowadays it's like i've been lucky to have those people supporting me from the start and it's nice now to see their name on a bigger stage and they certainly they certainly feel uh feel the benefit of it and they're they're really enjoying it yeah it's nice to know that the sponsors are actually getting something back and the fact that they're also enjoying it as well the fact that our sport can do that for somebody business or otherwise i think is an amazing thing in the R2 category, Eamon Kelly, son of 2015 Irish tarmac champion Donna, was having a good run at home with a lead of 42 seconds over Johnny Mulholland and Charles Gallagher. The dynamic R2s providing a great stepping stone into the championship. So 2020, the world was plunged into a global pandemic. And as an obvious result of that, lots of events didn't happen. However, you did still get out on a couple. Uh, yeah, so... That was again in the R2T. We did the Donegal mini stages. We did Galway and we did, I think it was Mayo. Yeah, Mayo. It was a good solid start of the year for us. We were running off the back of a lot of confidence in 2019. And I think we had three top 15 results overall and three class wins. So yeah, it was really, really good. Again, severely underpowered car and not, uh, you were kind of surrounded by by plenty of top quality machinery so we felt definitely felt good about them results and we felt good about the year that we were about to head into and i'd actually arranged to do the the remainder of the brc that year with with edsl and one of their newer r2t19 cars which is now rally four essentially but yeah that was that was cut short by covid but um i guess going into covid we'd we'd come off the back of a lot of confidence so that spurred us on through through that whole period to try and just come back or start back where we left off as such and it was good to finish on a good note because you carry that positive momentum through it and it, it keeps you going well you kind of touched on it there you moved up to the rally four fiesta in uh, 2021 to enter the jbrc how did you find that change of level um well in terms of the car it was a big step but in a really really positive way uh, like I said, I remember testing that car before West Cork with EDSL and it was like night and day because the R2T, albeit a good car, it didn't have the same level of of handling and, and power, torque, etc. Uh, it was just the the Rally 4 car was just so, so good and it was a joy to drive. So whenever, you know, we spent COVID consistently searching to try and get one at a decent, a decent price as well and managed to find one in Portugal and it was like perfect and we're like right okay we didn't we didn't think twice about it headed on the boat and drove from from Donegal to Portugal it was class to finally get that car out and test it and it just felt good from the get-go there was genuinely no moment where we were like right this is going to take a bit of work it just it just felt really really good so yeah it's a credit to that car so the the Fiesta then that was on the money from the word go it was yeah definitely felt really at home in the car and obviously yeah the first outing for us was the uh, first round of the jbrc in 2021 and that was olden park so different style of event for us be it, a, be it in a track yeah the level was obviously bigger as well um first time in the in the junior british championship and i'd always watched that you know 
a few years leading up to it and you always kind of highly regarded the top drivers and there was plenty of anticipation for me heading into it because I didn't really know where I'd stand never raced against a lot of the guys and there was plenty of quick guys and it was quite a stacked entry as well you know there was plenty of us which is fantastic but yeah it was to be fair better off than we expected from the work going I think in the first round or third and we again knew there was plenty left in us and yeah it was it turned out to be quite a solid year um we were always kind of fighting around the top spot and even you know we tackled gravel rallying for the first time as well that was something I'd never done until that year but clicked with it fairly quickly and had a good feeling and I think it was the the second rally on gravel we did which was the Grampian and we we won the event and again major boost in confidence and really good for us to see ourselves going strength to strength and again like I said always knowing that there was more there and never really been satisfied but you know we were putting in plenty of effort and plenty of work both as individuals and as a team so was your preparation different for gravel events, especially the first one? Well, I did one a substantial enough test back in March that year, and then I did the um, sports stages over in Cumbria, which was my first proper gravel rally, just to, to get one under the belt. That was it, really. But I suppose in terms of how I'd prepare to a gravel event in general, I would always do as much as I could on the simulator on gravel. We back at home in Donegal we've got a, a small track at our house and uh, a race buggy so I would spend plenty of time in that uh, again just being comfortable with the car moving about and and not being afraid to throw it about just to have that reaction time and the feeling of the car moving and carrying speed so simple things like that yeah but other than that all no, your preparations it's the same for each event what about your your physical preparation because obviously as you go up in level um, I think the the physicality of the sport increases somewhat as well. Big time, yeah. And I think people overlook it a lot. People who are outside of motorsport, they don't realise that there is a genuine physical demand. Um, even beyond physicality, but the fitter you are, you know, the sharper your mind is, and your you know the sharpness of your mind is so important for when you're performing. And yeah, I I noticed that. Uh, especially in 2021 i would have always kept fairly fit to be fair um and uh, during covid i actually used uh fitness as something again just to to give me a, a, an extra sense of purpose when there wasn't much going on and i honed in on it a lot so i came out the end of it better off to be fair but there was like i said like <laughs> there's always more and i remember doing the track rod in 2021 and there was quite a f- tight battle that day there was very little between the top five and we'd had a pretty shocking morning um just genuinely off the pace and not great but i think it was the final two stages were really long and they actually equated to like 50 percent of the mileage of the rally so we were like you know what if we kind of get our act together here we could make a bit of work for ourselves and did exactly that really really pushed and they were quite demanding stages as well especially in the front wheel drive car but I remember coming to the end of the last stage and genuinely if there had been another couple of mile I, I wouldn't have liked to have seen the shape I would have been in I could have genuinely passed out or something and that was just because I wasn't fit enough we still climbed from fifth to second uh, on the last stage which was really good work and we pushed we pushed very hard but I, I had to sit down when I got out of the car and just get a drink of water because I was just so drained and you shouldn't be in that state it's uh 
there's no way and that was a wake-up call for me after that i was like right that's it there's no more this can't happen again and again just learned the hard way you have to be fit and put a big effort into into all your training and i still do today if consistently built on it from then that sounds like a full run through dolby that last day that's quite a quite a stage yeah it was it was dolby in the daylight and um yeah my god it's it's some stage and we tackled it for the first time in the dark and it was my that was actually my first ever time rallying at night as well so to do it in dolby forest that was such an eye-opening experience i remember coming to the end of that and being like oh my god (laughs) that was so tough because gravel rallying at night was uh, again i was only getting used to gravel so and first time in the dark that was a proper eye-opening experience but yeah it's a, it's a cool stage and still tough when you go back to it today i'd happily go back anytime and who knows maybe by the end of this year we'll try and scoot over as well i remember being a, a very young kid stood in dolby seeing the uh, the mark twos come down the hill the big hill mm. Uh, that was uh, certainly my genesis point. Uh, 2021, though, was a very good year for you. Um, you were 10th in the championship and second in the juniors. So, I mean, there was definite progression through throughout the year there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, we went into the year with a lot of anticipation, not knowing where we'd start. But by the end of it, we were confident that we were, I suppose, a front runner and definitely confident in our own ability. And knowing that there's still more but yeah it was a good good year for us and we uh we certainly knew we we deserved to be there and we had the pace to be there yeah it's always good to have the likes of william and rory bell there too because them guys had wrc experience at the time and you could see the difference in pace but it was good for us because we knew there was still so much more to achieve and try and get to their level so it was good to uh to have that to go into 2022 because we're like we want to be on that pace next year you know we want to be that person and that's exactly what we did but 2021 for sure it was the groundwork um that made 2022 a lot easier and well the efforts that we put in that year uh, it all paid off the following yeah you certainly did second in 2021 but you went ahead and beat that in 22 sticking with the rally for fiesta yeah it was uh, a really really good year um in all senses everything we did uh, both JBRC and outside of it, it was very, very good. And again, it was just riding off the back of a solid year and, and good confidence and always wanting to push on and everything we did um, turned out quite well. And I suppose every every driver always has a year like that where just uh, nearly everything you touch turns to gold. So, but it was, it was really, really good. And, you know, you were going into events and you were doing stages and you were coming out the end of them and going, that was that was proper you know that was really good couldn't have gone a lot harder than there and that's the feeling that you kind of you seek to achieve and there's that's why a lot of us go rallying because you get that buzz of going i don't think i could have gone a whole lot harder in there and we definitely had moments like that throughout 2022 quite regularly and that's why it was quite special um regardless of the results when we look back at different rallies like there was we did West Cork in the Rally 4 car and there were stages in there that were just like, it was so good. It, was, it just felt absolutely class and you almost feel invincible. You can push as hard as you want and nothing's going to happen. That's magic. Like, And going to the Jim Clark for the first time and doing that Long McFergus stage in the dark, that was proper. You know, that was one of my favourite stages ever. Again, just feeling on the edge on nearly every corner and 
being proper happy with your driving and getting the result to back it up. I suppose if you've got the confidence in the car, you can push harder. So, I mean, you had a great year, to be fair. I mean, it, you won your first championship, the JBRC, six overall in the overall BRC, fifth in the Irish National and 19th in the Irish Tarmac. I mean, that's a busy year. How do you feel about that sort of success after all the hard work that you put in onto that? Ah, oh, yeah, naturally, it's um, it's a great reward for, for, I guess, you could say, three years of effort you know everything kind of leads up to something like that it doesn't just come out of nowhere so you know when you think back to the the kind of crappier moments you had back in say 2019 or even parts of 2021 it definitely makes it feel really really good yeah it was it was really really special and like i said it was more so the feeling the positive feeling we got from our driving that made it worth it rather than the results themselves yeah, uh, great. Some great battles there as well. The, the juniors was always, it didn't necessarily have the same numbers as 2021. But in saying that, there was always two or three people pushing you on every event and very nip and tuck as well. Like, I think the first round in Clacton, there was three of us and there was never two or three seconds separating us on every stage. It was quite a really, really tight and all of us were flying. And it was the same on the likes of the uh, the Nicky Grist and the um, the Grampian was really tight as well. So all you know, all really good battles. And again, as a driver, they're the kind of things that you look for, and it's even better to come out on top. So I'll always remember that. That was that was proper class to be involved in that kind of stuff. And it's credit to the guys we were racing as well, that they're fast lads. But uh, yeah, it was there was other good moments too, like stepping into the r5 car for the first time as well it was pretty special um to be in a top spec car and in, in events back in ireland it was quite cool um the stuff you dream of a new a new challenge to kind of consistently build on but we were really happy with with how we went about it and made some some decent results as well so um yeah i was going to mention the r5 fellow uh, how did that opportunity to drive that come about yeah, so again, it was it was my dad's. It was the car that my dad had used. Um, he had that, and he had kind of stopped rallying. I suppose not stopped rallying, but he didn't. He wasn't doing as much. Um, and he'd done. I think he'd done the Galway International Rally at the beginning of the year, and he kind of he took a step back, and he just here he, he said, "Why don't you Why don't you do an event in it, and you should uh, get out and see if it would increase the." increase our sensation of speed as such because it would mean that getting into the faster car might make getting back into the fiesta seem very easy and it literally it, it did exactly that and after we did mayo was our first rally in the polo and again it's such a new sensation of speed you can never drive the things fast enough they're so so much performance and they're capable of so much and that was class you know we were again a really really stacked entry and lots of really fast guys there and we were lucky to to be able to go and do it and just enjoyed every single bit of it uh, we always consistently build it on our pace and i think maybe from the start of the day we might have been like 10th quickest overall and by the end of the day we were a couple of stages where we were only point something off quickest time and that's guys like josh moffat so they're they're quick fellas, so to be able to see that progression, again, it just does your confidence, the world of good. That was a trait that I noticed we had throughout 2021 too. You know, even when we took on new challenges, 
we were obviously on the back foot a little bit starting off, but we always managed to kind of persevere. And by the end of the day, we were always on the pace. And that's exactly what you look for because it's it shows you and gives you the confidence that you've got you've got the speed and you can build on that. So yeah, they were all important moments for us going forward and especially into this year to show that there is speed there. It's uh, the results aren't just falling into falling into your lap, you know, the, the speed's definitely there. So yeah, really, really, um, really lucky to have that. So, what surprised you the most about getting to the R five? Obviously, it's a massive difference uh, between the R four, uh, the, uh, the Rally four, and the R, and the R five that you're in. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is obviously your your brakes and your your four wheel drive, and and just how quickly they can they can pivot and move the agility, but the they're so agile but so balanced at the same time you can do and get away with so much and it doesn't feel natural it makes the rally four car feel like a tractor and that's that's just just the way it is and getting used to that level of performance is crazy and trusting that you know you think you're breaking late but you could actually break twice as late you know it's crazy it doesn't feel right but then when you do it and you do it properly you're like oh my god that's that is crazy being able to experience that and get that feeling made that meant that when we got back into the rally four car, everything felt like it was happening in slow motion and you were really pushing it. And again, I think that's that's why because we did Mayo in early March and we went to West Cork like two weeks later in the rally four car. And I think that's why we had such a good result because it was like this all feels so, so easy. And our breaking was so much later and our commitment was at such a higher level because nothing really phased us in terms of the speed because it just didn't feel that didn't feel that fast. As well as everything else that you got in twenty twenty two, you were also the first local recipient of the Billy Coleman Award that year. Yeah. Um we were I think in terms of local from Donegal, it was we were the first in twenty years. So that was that was quite cool, uh, especially given Donegal's rally pedigree. So, yeah, that was that was that was special, and it was uh, yeah, it was it was yeah, hard to put into words how good that felt because the names on that trophy are all so so substantial. You know, you've you've obviously Craig's name on it, you've all the Moffats, you've so many fast guys that are all household names in Irish rallying, and plenty of them are well known across the world as well. So. You know, it's it's crazy to be part of that and a huge privilege. You know, I felt very, very fortunate to be receiving it because when you grow up, you admire and idolize all those drivers. So, you know, to be that person then, it's quite surreal. So, it's, yeah, for any young Irish driver, I think it's uh, it's such a big deal. So, I'll, again, that was such a milestone. And, yeah, what a, what a day. Yeah, it was really, really good. And obviously... That kind of was the fuel that added to the fire, you know, that created this year. Because, in all honesty, if I didn't receive that, I wouldn't be doing the WRC this year. It wasn't in my plans. It wasn't. I wasn't going to go, you know. But it was this award, and obviously the the prize fund that comes along with it that that kind of pushed us to, in this direction and and said, let's try and push ourselves and and see how far we can actually get get this thing and. Yeah, very, very lucky to to have been um, involved. But obviously the one big thing that comes with that too is your involvement with the likes of the, the Motorsport Ireland Rally Academy. Anyone who's nominated for the Billy Coleman Award is added into the academy, not just the winner, along with a few other guys who are 
on on different international programs but yeah the the support i've gotten there is has been fantastic and it's the, it's the reason i've been pushed towards the world championship or, or international rallying in general and yeah the support i've received from them has been has been phenomenal and can you tell us a bit more about the rally academy who's behind it and such yeah it was born out of the billy coleman award i guess we never had we have well we had different programs in the past um from what I remember, different things that were set up by Sport Ireland to try and support young drivers, but nothing really, you know, really fundamental and, and structured. But it was created back, um, I'm going to say maybe four or five years ago, roughly. But like I said, all the guys who were nominated for Billy Coleman Awards, who usually about seven or eight people, uh, were put into the academy and they were provided free training in terms of fitness, psychology, uh, nutrition, and as well as driving tuition and different opportunities in terms of driving. From its early days, it was one of these things. It was a new thing and it was always developing. And it was set up by a combination between Motorsport Ireland, but also uh, John Coyne, who's a previous um, previous Irish national champion from like 1982. He's a retired retired businessman who obviously has a, a huge passion for rallying and obviously wanted to support young Irish drivers and um, was the kind of driver behind this academy and he set up a team of fairly well um, or you know fairly capable people in, in different areas and they've all gone from strength to strength just no different to any business really over the last few years and it's grown into what it's become today and it really is incredible um, you're not only getting you know, all the benefits of different training. You know, there's now becoming plenty of opportunities for young drivers who have been in this academy and are showing potential to perform at a higher level. You know, the academy is providing them opportunities to certain people who are showing the work ethic and showing the desire to compete at a higher level. And you see that with the likes of Josh McElaine, who's been on a program now for, for three, maybe two or three years. And, you know, he's obviously shown that he's well capable and he's willing to put in the work and they've they've backed him and believed in him and they see it as well and you can see this year how well he's doing it's it's absolutely incredible but you know the academy have provided that uh, that opportunity and it's pretty cool and it's quite unique and amazing because obviously we talked about the difficulty of a new starter in rallying and even someone who's involved in rallying to get that sponsorship to move to the next level it's it's next to impossible at times and in Ireland, a young driver who's maybe 14 or 15 in the J1000 series, for example, could probably firmly say that, you know, if they make the effort and if they put in the work and if they show potential and, and a desire to move on, that there will be an opportunity for them in the future. And there's very few places you can say that. Like that's, it sounds bizarre. It probably shouldn't sound that way because most sports aren't like that, but most sports aren't as expensive as motorsport. But you know, it really is a light at the end of the tunnel. And I think people are starting to see that now in terms of the opportunities that, that we've all gotten this year. It's a privilege to be part of it, but I think it's very exciting for the future as well for younger drivers. And clearly they're providing vital support for upcoming drivers. Is it just for rallying or do they cover other disciplines of motorsport as well? No, at the moment it's just for rallying and drivers and co-drivers. So co-drivers get... Um, as as much support as we do too which is quite cool um because uh, such as drivers there's just as many opportunities for co-drivers out there as well 
at some of our development days, we do get a lot of our um, our shack racers uh, that come and sit in as well and get involved. Um, okay, they might not get the same level of opportunities as us, but they they're actively involved and they're getting the benefits of the sport from it too because we have um, a handful of really promising young circuit racers as well coming up through the ranks. Oh, right, that's good to hear. Um, so one of the major things with winning that is, as you've touched on already, it gave you a, a supported drive in a round of um, the WRC3, I think it was, wasn't it? So to be honest, the, the prize for winning the Billy Coleman Award was the the 100 grand. Uh, it was the cash prize, which we obviously put towards the junior WRC. We were very, very thankfully um, provided with the opportunity to do Portugal and WRC too. That was just, again, a reward for the efforts that we were putting in. And it was not something I expected or, or heard of until, I guess, about a month or so before the event. So it was quite a shock that the work they're doing is unreal. And they obviously seen that we were making a big commitment as a team to tend to the World Championship and, and try to uh, not just enter in it just to do it, but trying to achieve something in two years. So they wanted to give me that as a way of progressing that and pushing it on and perhaps applying the same method of approach as I did last year in terms of when I stepped into the Polo R5, it made getting back into the Rally 4 car quite easy. So the idea behind doing Portugal was getting into the Hyundai was going to be a jump up in pace, but getting back into the Rally 3 car should have felt easier after that, which it did. Uh, it heightens your sensation of speed. So yeah, to be able to do Portugal and be able to do it in a top car, it's uh, again, it, it's quite surreal. And okay, the weekend, it turned out to be <laughs> it turned out to be a very tough weekend for many different reasons, and things didn't go to plan at all. But you know, it's it's experience, and we took a lot away from that. And uh, yeah, what an experience, and one of very few people who are lucky to say that they've done it. So 2023 marks the first year of your two-year plan in the JWRC, uh, which you're currently running at the Rally 3 Fiesta alongside the, the Polo R5 in the British. So how do you rate your year so far? It's been definitely very different to anything I've ever done. Up until this year, I had never raced outside of Ireland or the UK. Every event that we've gone to has been a brand new challenge new surface, new cars, uh, new climates, everything. So yeah, it's been a step up in all regards and obviously competition as well. You're racing some of the best young drivers in the world. Yeah, it's been it's been some challenge. That's probably the best way to describe it. Plenty of ups, plenty of downs, but at the end of the day, it's been the challenge and the experience and the learning. It's just been next level. And look, whether it's a, an up or a down day, you still come out of it and it's like, that was mad. That was just so, so, so mad. And it's very, very hard to describe to people how mad and challenging these events are in the WRC and even the ERC as well. Like they're, they're just a different animal. You know, there's such a level of endurance behind them and such a different approach to, to doing a one or two day event. You know, they're, they're so, so demanding and you kind of go over on a Saturday, Sunday and from Monday, Tuesday, it's flat out. Like you're, you're up every morning really, really early and getting to bed really late and it's you know there's no breaks in between in that day you're flat out and it it tires you out and the uh you know come sunday you certainly feel it and you're just running off adrenaline and that's you have to be so so fit for that and as well as then trying to keep that consistent level of pace and performance on top of it it's just it's mad but it's my first year 
in, in something like this. So we can only be only be happy with what we've done so far. And we're always trying to build on it. And it's certainly not easy whenever you're going to a brand new event and there's so much to learn, you know, from square one again as such. But it's a two-year programme and we have to uh, to always remember that this is all going towards next year and it's all vital learning. But we know in ourselves that we're going from strength to strength each event and getting as much from them as we can. So it'll be a bit like 2019 where hopefully it should just click at some point, but we know that day will come. Are there any specific areas that you're working on in relation to next year? In terms of improving? Yeah, in terms of working up towards your goal of year two and having a a real full-on attack with it. Again, when you're racing at such a new level and you're taking on challenges that are so big, it's so easy to get mentally hijacked. And I've learned something from each event that I've gone into in terms of the academy that you can hop on the phone to someone and you can talk about how an event's gone and you can break it down from a mental side and it really, really shapes you for the next one and, and gives you so much confidence and reassurance. And I think I've learned more this year than I have combined in the previous few years because, again, you're racing on such different surfaces, such different types of roads. You know, the car behaves differently on all of them and trying to find that sweet spot. It's always resetting at each event and you're always building up to that, but you kind of have to figure it out yourself and forces you to think in new ways and the learnings has been, it's been mad. So you started this year on the Arctic Lapland Rally uh, alongside uh, somebody who else is going to be on the show, Matt Edwards uh, in the Fiesta. What's the story about Matt co-driving for you on that event? That came about, I guess, from a driver coaching point of view. Matt had done like maybe two or three coaching sessions with me in 2022 in the Rally 4 car and obviously got along quite well with him and thought he was really beneficial from a driver coaching point of view. So heading into snow, we obviously felt like there was going to be a lot to work on from the get-go. And I knew that Matt had done a lot of coaching actually up in Rovaniemi, where the rally is based. So he was fairly familiar with the snow and had seen that he'd co-driven for people before as a means of coaching. And I just thought it was going to be a good way of trying to hit the ground running when we came to Sweden to try and fast track our learning a bit, because everything was going to be so, so new to me. So that's where we decided to to do the event with him co-driving. And it was a really good success, to be honest. We did a, a day's testing before the event and he was fit to help me in terms of everything, set up, uh, driving and personal writing, everything. And, you know, just to spend a week a week with him and do the event was, was such a benefit. And, you know, he's a he's a proven coach. He's he's really, really good. I couldn't I couldn't recommend him enough, but I think that People, especially in Ireland, have, have seen that and seen the benefit. So what's the Arctic Lapland like then? Yeah, what an experience. That was, you've an open recce for a few days that week, but the stages, they're all like, they're all about 30 plus kilometers long and you never do the same stage twice, maybe bar one or two of them. And there's like nine or 10 different stages with the daylight over there. I think 80, 70, 80% of the stages are in the dark as well. And... It's so cold <laughs> and uh, yeah, the stages are really mad. A lot of them are over like military ground, so quite fast, technical and cresty and jumpy uh, in the depth of the night in the winter. Conditions are really good as well because obviously they're one pass stages, so you can be fairly, fairly flat out. But there was a lot of snow falling while we were racing and it's very hard to describe what that's like at night but obviously you've got your your laser lights and that's reflecting off the heavy snow falling down 
it's crazy like they're they're so fast but you can only ever see like a couple of meters ahead of you because of the snow reflecting in the lights and you're just purely trusting the pace notes and you're just seeing one one corner at a time it's mental it feels as if you you really can't see anything and at times you just had to turn off your your laser lights and just go off the headlights because it was just so so blinding it brought me uh, it brought me to a new level of confidence on the snow and and the driving style that was required to kind of go fast on the snow and we just used the whole event as a learning experience we didn't really do anything crazy in terms of trying to prove anything but that served us quite well going into sweden because when we started sweden we were a lot higher up the standings than we thought we'd be and we were fairly okay we weren't on the same pace as the top guys such as william and, and laurent but in terms of the rest we were close to the top of the best of the rest and it was a good feeling for for having never driven on snow that year so yeah it was it was quite cool so heading into sweden that year you must have felt like you were in a good place yeah i think um i guess it was a bit like when we started the jbrc there was a lot of ant- anticipation because other than william i'd never raced against any of these guys before and plenty of them are quite well known as well so you didn't really know where you were going to stand we could have very well been at the very back by miles or we could have been in the mix we just didn't know where we were going to stand so yeah a lot of anticipation so i was confident enough in my own driving but i didn't really know where that would would uh would leave us but i think after shakedown we were like third quickest and first stage maybe fourth quickest so that gave us an idea that okay it's actually not that bad we're fairly fairly okay here so that was probably the mistake i made kind of getting ahead of myself going oh we're actually all right and we can if we can push on a bit more we might achieve something more and probably should have been just a bit more level-headed and content with where i was at um for my first time and just got ahead of myself a bit and so so did all, all the people around me too we were always like if we had a bad stage we're like no we need to push now on the next one and try and make up for it and just a little bit hijacked and yeah it forced me into making a mistake on the friday evening and made a pretty big off um it was quite a big the biggest crash i've ever had to be fair um i think that one of the guys was saying on the tracker we left the road at about 158k so it was straight in off off the lip of a road down into a what would have been a field that was covered in snow and just rolled uh, quite substantially but yeah that was a big big off and i've had offs but nothing that big so not that it i can't say it was a scare but naturally knocks your confidence back a wee bit um and uh, yeah both of you okay after that yeah we were grand yeah but it was uh, we landed in such, such deep snow that Firstly, we didn't. I didn't even know where we were when we landed because when the car went off the road, it nosedived, and it, we were carrying so much speed that it pirouetted back up into the air and like end over end, but twice in the air, just landed again, nosedived down into such deep snow that it was up to our necks. The snow, it was all in on top of us in the car, and I was, I, my mouth was full of snow, but um, at the time I panicked because I thought we were upside down, so I was like, we're not going to be able to breathe in any of this or get out. But it was actually grand. We got out and. We were fine um but yeah the car definitely wasn't fine it took a while to, to get a dog out of there but um to be honest i was shocked when the we got it back into service and all the m sport mechanics looked at it and they were like not, not too bad i say not too bad i think the thing looks like it's ready for the scrapyard but they were like no two two to three hours we fix and i was like my god and and they did exactly that and we were back out the next day and um to be fair they did the same when tanak tried to drown his as well yeah it was some credit to them to be fair uh 
the car was 100% the next day and it allowed us to go and do two days of rallying and try and get our confidence back and to be fair we did that in places we had a couple of top three times and we were happy enough with our driving but a weekend that was tough in terms of our mental approach because it kept just kept getting ahead of myself and always trying to prove too much when I should have just kind of sat back and and just drove to the best of our ability and not beyond it you know that's it was a big learning and that's what I mean when I say this year's been a, a big mental learning year it was a mixed bag that event because we showed some good speed but then lacked in other areas in terms of our approach and without really having a a solid plan going into the rally and just kind of saying well let's see where we stand and we'll take it from there you kind of you do need to have a plan and you have to try and stick to it to a certain degree so big takeaway from that but again that's that's why you're here that's why you learn these things so from that you went on to compete on the malcolm wilson rally before going to croatia to compete on the quattro river rally i assume that was a shakedown for the croatia event that was a shakedown for croatia wrc yeah um we, I can't remember. Oh yeah, it was actually in Sweden that it was randomly the physio in M Sport. He told me, "Oh, there's a rally in Croatia that you should do Quattro River Rally. I think it would be a good help." And I was like, "Okay, I'll look into it." I looked into it and I realised it was actually using three of the same stages that were being used in the WRC Croatia. So I was like, "All right, okay, <laughs> I see what he means now." Yeah, I was like, "Right, okay, definitely need to put an entry in for this." I got an entry in and hired a car from a couple of guys in Slovenia. It was a really, really, um, really good event. And it couldn't have been any better for us for Croatia because it may be tarmac, but it's so, so different to anything back home here in Ireland or in the UK. Whatever way they, they built the roads out there years ago, they used like kind of a some sort of shiny stone, like a kind of a, almost like a marbly material through the through the tarmac. Obviously it's cheaper, I guess. and. It made it it made it easier to do, but it means that the tarmac out there is very, very, very slippy and no real abrasion in it. So it's slippy when it's dry. Uh, never mind when it rains, and it's quite flat too. So you can take a lot of cuts, and a lot of pollution gets pulled out onto the roads. Similarly, pro without the, I guess the same severity as the the cuts, but same idea. So different challenge. Um, very, very glad we did that rally because it helped us massively and. Obviously, it was in a, literally an early recce for three of the stages, even though they might have been three of the, the smaller stages. It was still a huge help. We didn't really try to prove anything out there. We just tried different things with the car and set up. And there wasn't a, a loop of stages that we did where we didn't try something because we wanted to leave no stone unturned. And we had a couple of issues throughout the event too, which set us back punctures and that. But it, it was pretty cool too because, you know, Obviously, a lot of people will tell you, and it's quite obvious when you're out there, that experience is so important in the WRC in terms of having done the stages before. And that really showed there because on them three stages that we did in the Quattro Rally, when we went back to the WRC to do them again for the next time, we were always like we were nearly fastest on each stage and only marginally off the off the fastest time. Um, so just it shows it's it's clear evidence that you know if you go back a second time or third time there's there's so much of an advantage there from the beginning i've always just wanted to be the best driver that that i can be don't let anyone ever put you down because only you know your true potential for the rallying family this year has has not been a good one after tragically losing ken block in january 
The following March saw another wave of terrible news tsunami over the sport. As we now know, the much-loved Craig Breen sadly lost his life in a relatively innocuous accident during pre-event testing in Croatia. I, I remember the day I heard the news. I was busy working uh, when I got a, a text message basically saying, have you, have you heard about Craig? I went, no, what? What's, what's happened? Is thinking he, he's probably signed to someone else or, or something along those lines. And when I heard, I was just dumbfounded, complete disbelief. And obviously, as time went on and the news began to spread, obviously it became clear that it was true. But do you remember where you were when you heard about the news? Yeah, it was... I was actually, I was in this room, it's kind of my, my bedroom slash home office, but yeah, just going about my day as normally. Yeah, same reaction. I got a phone call from my dad, but it was, yeah, it was uh, one of those things. It doesn't seem real. It takes quite a while to sink in, but uh, hugely, hugely tragic. And to be honest, took a good week to sink in, really, because we were, it's mad. We were only, we were only with, uh, with Craig like two days before that as well, an academy day. And yeah, just uh, mad, and I think everyone felt it the same way. Um, it's such a big, big news to get, and especially when it's someone from your local rally community, it really hits home. So it's uh, it's crazy, and and I think, uh, like I said, everybody shared the same amount of pain, and I can only imagine what his, his family and close friends went through as well. It, it must be so tough uh, still to this day. So there's still parts of it that don't feel real, feel real today. I guess that. You know, someone like that is, is gone and such a focal point in, in Irish uh, Irish rallying and world rallying to a degree as well, you know, for, in terms of being such a character. It was amazing to see how fondly people remembered such a character and how sought after they really were. And it's a pity because obviously I think he was just coming to the forefront of of an amazing career that was only about to get better. But he'll now he'll be remembered for... The amazing person that he was and the amazing sportsman but um character really and a lover of motorsports so it was yeah whenever you talk to him um i didn't personally know him really really well but would have had different alter or different uh altercations with him and he he um you could tell that passion that he had for motorsport through the way he talked and you could talk about anything and like anyone who might be somewhat engaged but if you mentioned history of rally cars or you know old rally cars um that was a bang he was engaged and he was so so into the thing and really wanted to be involved in the conversation and you could chat you could chat for what felt like ours so yeah um that was just a an example of a true motorsport fan you mentioned that you're actually at home when you heard the news about craig what when did you actually go back for Croatia then? I, I would have thought that you guys would have stayed around. No, there there was a decent gap between the two rallies. It was like two or three weeks or something, so there was no point in staying out there. Yeah, I came back and uh, we headed out. Um, I think it was like obviously when we heard the news, it was a big shock, and uh, from an Irish point of view, we weren't sure if racing was the right thing to do or not. We only wanted to do what was right for a respect point of view. You know, I, it took me a, a couple of days to figure out personally whether I wanted to race or not, but even beyond that, it was always going to be a case of we'll just do whatever's right collectively as a group because there were still four of us competing, five maybe, but 
once we kind of got the news that we'd the blessing of um, the Breen family, who obviously just extended what Craig would have wanted, and that being everyone to still race, uh, which is truly obviously what he genuinely would have wanted. We took that uh, we took that on board, and and it was a case of going and um, trying to do him proud from an Irish point of view, and um, going out and racing and doing the best we could, and just focusing on that. And yeah, headed out. I guess I think it was like maybe five days later or something. It wasn't simple for anybody. Um, it was a very sombre environment over there uh, for everyone and definitely a, a unique atmosphere and everyone, you could feel that shared pain uh, everywhere. It didn't have the same kind of crazy buzz as a usual WRC event, but it was for us, it was a case of just really, really focusing on the job at hand. And I remember I just deleted all my social media, not because I didn't want to see any of the amazing tributes that were being laid out but i just wanted to focus on what we we were doing and it was hard enough as it was so i just felt it was easy to to focus exactly on what we're doing and not really think about anything else and it uh, it was definitely a way of of getting through that whole week so seeing him on stage side he kind of reminded me of like the the 70s 80s to a certain extent 90s drivers that were all about the fun of the sport. He just absolutely clearly adored the sport, especially when he was like banging out some quick times. And I don't really think we see enough of that character in the sport in the top seven seats, let's say. Um, I think that that's probably got a lot to do with why so many people were endeared to him. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's uh, we lack characters in, in the sport today and, you know, everything is quite PC and of course that's that's needed in some areas, but we do lack the the fun and the the uh, the different characters and that's what makes people people interested from a from an outside point of view because you know it was only until like recent years where Netflix showed the different characters within Formula One or at least I guess tried to create different characters that it got this wide audience involved in it. You know, people people are interested in reality TV because they have different characters and that's why it's such a big thing. And, you know, you can have that in motorsport as well. If you look at any sport, it's always the unique characters that shine. And I guess that like you said, we, we do certainly lack that. And Craig was an interesting person in, in the way that he, he portrayed himself and, and he showed himself in terms of... Uh, end of stage interviews for example but you know not being afraid to show emotions and people love that people it's so so captivating and you can kind of relate to a person when they're talking with the pure emotion and that's what captivates us and makes us makes us interested so yeah i i can only hope that we find more people like that or or people um, become more open to to showing that on live live interviews and tv because it, it's so good for the sport and i don't think people should be afraid to hold back on, on how they feel no no, absolutely. I think I think that's been one of the major differences between rallying and say Formula One is the characters. It's it's the approachability of the drivers and well, actually the crews uh, to a large extent as well. Because when you've had the opportunity to see co-drivers speak or team members speak, they've all been very much similar. And I think that's a major difference uh, with rallying. I think that should be made more of. To be fair, you know, the audience needs to see that you can get closer, not just to the action, but to the drivers themselves, to the cars, to everything. 
And I think that's one of our big selling points that that isn't been utilized, not just in the world championship, but in the British and, and other areas of the sport as well. What do you think about that? No, I agree. It's like I studied marketing in, in uni and worked in marketing for a while. Like you say, people are interested in in stuff that's relatable and the ordinary person can't relate to a high performing athlete driving a rally car because that isn't ordinary. They can relate to personalities and again, emotions and the way that people portray themselves. And that, like I said, is what captivates and being able to show that and show it through whatever type of content it may be. But yeah, even at a national level that like you touched on, it's so, so important. And I think it's missed quite a lot. To be fair, in the British Championship, I think I think a certain credit must go to the likes of Matt Cotton and Bex, who, who do their best to to portray a lot of the drivers in good light or just different lights in general with the content they provide. But it's something we lacked a lot, to be honest, in, in most levels of national rallying, uh, probably across the world. And just getting to understand different people. Like we start to see that now with the live end of, st- live end of stage interviews in Ireland that Killian Duffy does. There, there's always like 15, 1600 people watching them at a time. And it's actually the thrill of watching it live and seeing how these people are going to react. And as the year goes on or whatever, people get to know certain characters. And it's gotten to a stage now where, like I remember we were watching it in Latvia, they end of stage interviews in Donegal, and people are saying, please, nobody give the times in the in the chat. We just want to see people's reactions. We want to see it live and we want to see everything how it is. And it's because we care, we're, we're captivated by people's reactions and, you know, uh, it's uh, especially at the end of the stages because you're high on adrenaline and you could say anything or you could act a certain way or whatever. But uh, yeah, I think that's lost largely through the content um, that we produce in terms of uh, TV or, or roundups. You know, I, I think back to whenever I watch old clips from British Championship or, or uh, Irish stuff, you kind of got a good feel for the drivers and who they were through the content that was produced because it was quite personal a lot of it and you, you could you know you could have your favorites or your heroes or your villains or whatever and it was really well presented and there was more of that than just the stage action and don't get me wrong the stage action is clearly the focal point but there has to be something extra that makes that worthwhile we've seen like i said i'll, I'll say it again we've seen it with f1 i i, I think f1 is so boring to watch like that that's just the bottom line yes you might get like a couple of races that are really captivating and, and it is good but you're drawn to it because you've watched the thing on netflix um at least a couple of years ago anyway when you watch the first couple of seasons and you go oh, i really want to watch the race now because these characters who i know have different personalities are racing against each other let's see what happens there might be some drama we you know people love that and uh yeah it's something that uh it could be done so well in rallying yeah let's hope so uh, we kind of drifted a little bit off on a tangent there. Let's just talk quickly about Croatia then. So leg one started pretty well, consistent pace throughout the day, and you began to climb some places. But how did you find it out there on the stages? Uh, yeah, it was tough. Um, their Friday stages, they were really long and very demanding as well, very narrow, with a couple of issues as well. The nurse with a couple of issues with the brakes um, that were overheating on the rear for some reason. And... Um, 
even at one stage, came over the finish line in a full, full caliber resistant flames. We got through the day okay, and we knew we could have been faster, but we were we were clean other than that with no big moments. But we were happy with our pace in some of the stages and happy with the way we'd, we'd carried ourselves. And look, we made some mistakes and we didn't let us let it get to us like Sweden. We didn't feel like we needed to go and start trying to go mental to make it back up. So we just said, look, we'll, we'll keep doing what we're doing, keep building on our pace and pick our battles, take the stages we feel really good on and go for a push. And for the, the ones that can catch us out, try to just be a wee bit more careful on them and that's exactly what we did going into the next day as well as Sunday um, so yeah I can guess we could only have been happy with the way we carried ourselves So after a solid start on leg one leg two was a very similar story gaining a few more places to finish day two in third in the JWRC and 23rd overall uh, not a bad day at all Yeah good day, long day It was uh, that was a tough day um, I remember some of the road sections were like two hours long it was very demanding and very tricky stages. We were always there thereabouts with a couple of stages that were not far off fastest and sticking to the plan no matter what. There was plenty of times where I definitely felt like oh, I'd love to really, really go for this and really go to, you know, try and have her on. But it was so fresh after Sweden and that dejection of the feeling of retiring on the second last stage in Sweden was still kind of uh, looming over us. So we kept a level head and made sure that we were going to get a strong result too and we were happy to prove our pace in certain areas but uh, I know in an overall term we were a bit more reserved than usual and it, uh, it was paying off and I think going into Sunday we, we seen that right we were third we were fairly close behind second and we knew that Laurent in first had had an issue with his car that was probably no, it wasn't going to be rectified and we've seen that, but we said, look, we will probably be in a battle for the lead tomorrow, but we just have to try and do what we've done all weekend and stay level-headed no matter what happens. And yeah, going into the Sunday, that's exactly what we did. We were quite relaxed about the whole thing. Yeah, it was very unfortunate for the two guys ahead of us that they had issues and Tom had his issues too, but that's rallying, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's unfortunate and you can only Fair feel right. sorry for them, but... It's, it's the way it is. The luck, luck was on our side and we drove a very smart rally. And um, look, it's not how I would like to win every rally. It's uh, you want to win by being the fastest and showing, showing domination. But it's such a big step up in level that that approach had worked for us that day. And yeah, I think given the week that was in it, it was quite special. Um, it was uh, it was no one could have predicted that we would have won that rally, but it, it almost did feel as if there was uh, a bit of help from above. So it was yeah. quite special and definitely emotional at the end for everyone because um, there was plenty of Irish people there waiting for us. And uh, it was a mad feeling, um, not so much like victorious, you know, hard celebration, but like more just emotion and after a tough week and really, really cool to see an Irish flag on the top step and... Uh, yeah, that was that was really really special and something that I'll I'll never forget. So you did mention about not wanting to to win the event that way and wanting to be the fastest. But to be fair to you, the time difference between your first run and the actual power stage, the second run through, you took nineteen seconds off your time. That's a massive chunk of time. So yeah. I mean, it's you know there was a huge improvement in pace on that power stage. Was it like full beans? Ah, it was it was a very technical stage, super narrow, super muddy, crazy stage. But my notes were just a little bit too safe. We had a thirty second lead or something like that 
and we knew that the previous run before that Tom had taken maybe like seven or eight seconds out of us so we knew he had the capability to be fast and if he really wanted to go for it he could and the issue that he had with his car whatever issue he had with the engine it was only hampering him on the big fast stages and sections of the big fast stages that were top end stuff but on the narrow stages like that it wasn't having much of an effect to be honest I I was more disappointed in the first run that my notes were too safe because I love narrow stages that are really technical. And I was like, well, let's see if we can improve it because I actually just want to enjoy the stage and, and get the most out of it. Yeah, we just focused on trying to enjoy the stage and it was the last stage of what was an amazing rally. So yeah, that was a good way to focus on it. Well, congratulations on the win. And I know that you're entering Estonia shortly, so good luck with that one too. Yeah. Let's take a look um, a bit more of, of a wider scope of rallying. What is your general view of the, the general British and, and world rallying stages as, as we see it at the moment in terms of how it equates to, to progression and such? It's hard to say. It's definitely not the same opportunities as there was, but at the same time, it's always been a hard sport to get into and it's it, it's just because it's so expensive. That's the bottom line. You know, there's, like you said, seven, maybe six, seven paid drivers in the world and the jump between WRC2 and WRC1 is crazy. I mean, there's so many fast guys in WRC2 who you could probably say there's like a handful there that are worthy of maybe being in WRC1, but there's a big jump because whenever they... They go into a WRC1 car. We've seen it before. There's such a another step to the guys who are who've been at it years and years and years. It's all experience. But uh, I know people have obviously mentioned that there needs to be maybe a more of a equal approach uh, between WRC2 and one, and and possibly even just more of a level playing field. Yeah, the ARC is extremely well represented at the moment with cars that look like conventional rally cars. What's your opinion on the Rally 1 spec cars and do you think they fulfil the needs of the championship? It's hard to say because you look at different eras like the Group A era, which I think was quite special because you had guys in cars, they were not that different to what we drove on the road. Obviously, there was all the homologation specials that were built. It was such a step down in cost from what had previously been Group B, which was mad and I guess a little bit reminiscent of what we have today. You know, these yeah. mad, mad cars that were so, so different to what we drive on the road. You know, Group A was quite cool because people could go and buy a, a Celica or an Impreza um, that was deemed to be not that different to what was on the stages. Of course, it's different, but didn't look that different yeah it was quite cool and um i think it built quite a strong uh, a strong following but you know who knows maybe that's a step back like that is the way forward i don't know from a, a marketing point of view I, I, I struggle to see how the rally cars nowadays will will boost car sales in any any shape or form it's obviously not the i can't see it being the motivation behind it anyway but maybe again i'm wrong um I don't like to, to try and have too much of a, an opinion because without knowing the facts, but it's certainly lacking something and that uh, I touched on it before as well, I guess the the promotional side of things that go behind it too and how we how we market the not just the sport but the characters and the kind of the things that go on behind the scenes too that people want to see. So Yeah, I think going off what you just said about Group A, I think rallying's also had a a far longer history with allowing manufacturers to develop not just stage cars but cars for the road as well that go hand in hand with each other we've seen it with the mark one and mark two escorts uh, and all their contemporaries we've seen it with 
uh, the Group A stuff we've seen in uh, slightly more recent years with Subarus and the Mitsubishis as well. And if you look at the ERC at the moment, manufacturer involvement in that is amazing. Um, also saying too, the WRC too, but the ERC is just packed at the moment. It's getting great support from manufacturers, great support from uh, the spectators, uh, both on the the stage side and also on TV as well. I think what we'll need to do really is is look at that championship and see what it is that manufacturers and everybody are seeing in that championship and implement that into Rally 1. Because at the moment, Rally 1 is, is seriously suffering from a lack of interest, whereas it could be so much of a, a much bigger platform than it currently is. Uh, obviously, we all know that Formula One has skyrocketed in the last few years because of the promotional work that's been done. But rallying has just been left behind again, uh, which is such a shame because we have such a unique platform that crosses over between top flight sport and the road, certainly more so than Formula One, I would say. Yeah, it's you need more manufacturers for sure. Um you know that's what that's what creates the opportunities. It creates the jobs, and the, not just for drivers, but for teams. And it makes the whole thing go round. The way to do that, it's it's unknown, but I certainly think Group A was a good example. That you know there was plenty of manufacturers involved at the time, and um, like you say, it was uh, they were driving uh, road going or road going rally cars, and we just hope that it can be uh, it can be found in the future. But look, all it takes is a group of uh, of determined people that will. They might not come along now, but they certainly will at some stage. Hopefully. So uh, one more thing then, Eamon. What's your plans for the future? This WRC adventure was a two-year plan when we started it this year. still is. So for now, um, we're obviously aiming to finish out the Junior Championship this year. Uh, like I said, that will shape what we do on the tail end of this year. But uh, going into the next year then, it's, it's full attack at the JWRC again. And of course, uh, I'd like to think we can we can have a more substantial go at it next year as well. And due to just the scale that in terms of commitment and cost, that will depend what we do beyond that, you know. Um, sure. I've always said that if I was ever tackling a challenge like this or any form of challenge, you know, the way that it ends or the way that you feel at the end of it should determine or justify how you continue, you know, if we feel like we've given it everything and we've certainly been giving it a lot so far, we feel like you come to the end of that two years and say, look, that's, I've given it everything and we're still not anywhere. That's It doesn't warrant investing and trying to, to push on. Um, you know, you have to be realistic about things as well. Um, you know, I'm 24 years old, so it's, uh, it's young, but in rallying terms, it's not. So... At the moment, incredibly lucky to be doing what I'm doing, uh, loving absolutely every single moment of it, and taking away as much as it, as much as much from it as I can. And you know, it's for me. I'll always rally. Hopefully, anyway. But I'd, yeah. I'd like to, um, no matter what level it's at. And uh, as long as I can do that, you know, that's a given. And I think we can take away um, so much from the next the next two years and build it into whatever we do. And I'll always give a hundred percent commitment as well. And Again, no matter what level it's at, um, we'll always give it full whack. And yeah, this should hopefully shape us uh, pretty good for whatever that is, be it WRC, ERC, BRC, ITRC. It doesn't matter. It's it's all some buzz. So 
once yeah. you're behind the wheel um you feel pretty lucky so yeah we'll see what the future holds but for now just trying to enjoy every uh, every bit of what we're doing at the moment well i'm sure we'll see you around for quite some time to come Eamon. thanks for joining us on the show this week it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you uh, and hopefully we'll see you again soon no bother Drew. thanks for having me that's it from us this week hope you've enjoyed listening goodbye the motorsport files motorsport biographies by the people who live them.